Hi friends, welcome to Bar of the Conference. I'm your host, Derek Scott III. Today's episode is with Betty Kazadi Musau. Betty is an elder in the North Katanga Annual Conference in the Democratic Republic of Congo. She is married and a mother, and she holds several roles in the North Katanga Annual Conference, including Director of Communications, but also serving in Disaster Recovery, education, and more. I was grateful for Betty's willingness to share with me so candidly. She really helped us understand the context of life and ministry in the DRC. And because she was willing to share so honestly, I think in this episode, you'll get a glimpse of just how different the African context is in relation to church structure, but also in how they are dealing with social issues. At the same time, her love and support for who the UMC is and what we can be together just affirms that there is a lot that unites us as United Methodists. We didn't do a lot of editing in this conversation because it went in some really helpful directions. I think you're going to need that notebook and maybe even a choice beverage. So come on, let's do this. Let's listen to this really, really great episode with Betty Kazadi Musoni. Reverend Betty, it is so good to see you today. Thank you for joining me on Bar of the Conference. I um, would love to hear the beginnings of your story, how you became a follower of Jesus, um, and also a United Methodist Christian. Just would love to hear a little bit of God's provenient grace in your life um, that brought you to our denomination. Great. Thank you for the question. And I thank God that you are bringing in this um, uh, doctrine and the theology of uh, John Wesley about prevenient grace. Oh yeah, because got to, yeah. What, what I am today, that's the grace. Imagine I am, imagine I am, I am the, the daughter of, um, of um, the, actually my father was a polygamist. Yeah. He had mm -hmm. two wives, and uh, my mom was the second wife. I am the fourth child of the second wife. In, in a polygamous marriage, life is not easy, and love, love is a struggle. You need to claim love in such a marriage. Thank God. And uh, God is so wonderful that um, my mom, she's late. I am sorry, she's late. And she was a very smart woman, breadwinner for her own children. The way she helped us, train us to grow up and become who I am. I am who I am because 
in when I grew up, I had a priest. The priest for me was my mom. She was a very strong woman, hard worker, very disciplined woman. And you can tell that all her children went to school and she educated them well. Every time when the wife of the father could mistreat mistreat us, every time she tells you, don't worry, that is love. You love her despite her mistreatment. Such a powerful education from an illiterate woman. That woman who knew only to read and count, count the money that she was generating because she was a, she was a businesswoman at the very small scale, but she did all her best to educate, to school all her children. This is a very strong testimony. And from there, she would send us where she was going, attending the service, Pentecostal Church. My Sunday school, I attended Sunday school from Pentecostal Church later on. When I saw the our elder brother, the firstborn of, of the first wife of my dad, he could play the guitar very well. And they formed a small choir in the United Methodist, uh, the beginning of the, the United Methodist Church in Kamina. It was in a woman's house where the church started. And I could see the way she was playing the guitar. I was really much interested. No, next time I will go and listen the way you were practicing, you were rehearsing and practicing. Well, you know, the, the more I attend their rehearsal, I became uh, I became attracted. And they moved from a house to a new building. That's the way I joined the United Methodist Church. And there I was uh, welcomed and confirmed, had confirmation service for that time. Coming back to the story of my mom, I grew up in the situation where love should be claimed. Because you are the daughter, you are children of the second wife. It looks like you are nothing. So we need to claim our love and our right, like we belong to this house, despite the environment which looks hostile to us. But the good thing that I inherited from my mom, love your enemy. You love your brothers and sisters. You love the wife of your father, despite the mistreatment. This is a very strong statement from my mom. And we are carrying on this we are carrying on this um, education because uh, who am I? <laughs> who am I to judge? Who am I to love only those who love me? There is no way. Just they are, they, she was trying to help us to be mature in, their, in our way of, uh, of the love of the neighbor. And she was teaching us to make into practice the great commandment to love our God to love one another and this is this is really strong this is really strong that's the 
It is unfortunate. She died three years ago, but uh, you can tell every time we meet as brothers and sisters, we just remind, we, we, we recall our mind about all that she was telling us to love one another. This is very strong because uh, from our experience, you can hate your siblings for nothing, but uh, you know, strong is the foundation of, uh, of everything. And what I have come today, I am the fruit. What I am today, I am the fruit of the United Methodist Church. I went to school, uh, to the United Methodist Primary Secondary School um, for, for my training as a teacher. I went to Teachers College, which is United Methodist Teachers College. I went to Africa. I am, I am an alumina of the Africa University. Uh, so, yes, yes, love it. So, so, so I am um, who I am today because of the United Methodist Church. You know, grace is grace when it is shared, and love is love when it is it is shared. We cannot pretend to love one another with our word of uh, mouth. No, Act, let's love in action and in truth. I went to St. Paul's School of Theology, not with my, my funds, but uh, I, was, I was given a scholarship to do my doctor of ministry. So I am who I am. It's because of the United Methodist Church. I am who I am, not that the church has offered me scholarships or what, no. This is me, a grace that I enjoyed from God through the United Methodist Church. That, that, that's, that's, that's what I feel that uh, United Methodist Church has done great things. That is why some of the time when I see the way I grew up, where I come from and where I'm going, the United Methodist Church is, uh, has made me who I am. It has given me a new identity. I have my own identity as a Congolese, as a woman, but it, in Christ, I have a new identity of being a Christian. Amen. Oh, wow. Betty, that is such a remarkable story. Um, so much I'd love to <laughs> ask follow-ups, but I'll, I'll keep us moving. Um, I'm interested when did you, how did you hear your call to ministry, um, to, be in, to be a clergy person in the UMC? Um, my, my father was a businessman. So anytime he could train her, give us a time to, to sell in uh, his shop. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you could see on Saturday, you see elderly people coming for help. It's very common. You see them on Saturday coming to ask for help. And I could see how my dad was treating those elderly people. When they come, they can come even 20 or 30 giving them maybe the equivalent of half a dollar, half a dollar, half a dollar, half a dollar. 
Then I could ask, why are you helping them? No, I help them because they look vulnerable. Let me help them. And what I'm doing, I don't waste anything by just helping them. That's what is required. We need to love one another. Some of the time you can think, oh, my dad is giving away his money to people who are not related to him. So love is only love when it is shared. Oof. You can have property that say, no, those, this is my children's inheritance, but it needs to be legacy, but it needs to be shared. Mm. This was a practical, no, pragmatic gospel. Pragmatic gospel where they are not Methodist, they are not Pentecostal, they are not uh, Seventh uh, uh, Adventist, but just sharing with uh, people that my dad, because the only way, the way we grew up, we need to have our role models. Parents, they are all our role models. So we see how they could share their love to people that we treated as strangers, but no, why don't we imitate it? I had a chance to attend the youth ministry where I was elected like a vice chair of Christian education. I served like a vice chair of Christian education in youth group. Um, this was like uh, a kindergarten for the ministry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. where we are, we are trained to lead among youth and they, they model you how to be a leader in the church. Mm-hmm. And this, during our time, this was a very strong, very strong group. And in the church, you could see how we were, we were even impacting the community during our time as youth group. With that, that nursing ministry, I call it nursing ministry, where they train, they model somebody to become who he or she may be. Then we could tell, and we had strong pastors. At that time, we say, I want to be like so-so. I want to be like so-so. That's the way we got emulated to join, um, to join the to join the ministry. Also, my background, the way we grew up, can tell. I grew up in the family where love has, you need to claim your love, like a right, you claim it. So the only the only rescue is the church. And the parents who were very strong in uh, educating us, and we joined friends in the group where we are trained to be leaders. I had, I was really emulated to join the, the ministry. I went to African University where we, we started this choir, Praise the Lord's Choir, which, 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 um, which is very now fervent at African University. Also, I was attending the student movement. Those are groups that train us to be who, who really we are. And it's not by our own effort, but we, we were equipped and, and God, God chose us and the environment equips us to become who we are. Wow. And I, I did my, 
my, my four years at African University. Unfortunately for my master's, I didn't even do my master in theology. <laughs> I did my master in gender and development in, uh, in, in, in Belgium. That's where, where I did my, my master's. And later on, I joined uh, Doctor of Ministry at St. Paul's School of Theology, where I, I did um, social justice on children and poverty track. So Betty, you are in the North Katanga Episcopal area, which covers three annual conferences, am I correct? Yes. And the North Katanga Episcopal area is one of four Episcopal areas in the country of the DRC. Am I correct in that? Yes. Democratic Republic of Congo is located at the center of Africa. It is surrounded by seven countries. We have uh, eastern part of uh, Congo, we have uh, Burundi, Rwanda, Tanzania, we have Angola, uh, Kabinda, almost nine, if I'm not mistaken. Looking at uh, the ecclesial part of it, we have four Episcopal area. We have North Katanga Episcopal area, South Congo and Zambia Episcopal area, Central Congo Episcopal area, and East Congo. And the headquarter of East Congo is Kindu, headquarter of, uh, of Central Congo is Kinshasa, headquarter of South Congo is Lumumbashi, headquarter of uh, North Katanga is Kamina. You really see that we have our forerunners, our pre predecessors who worked hard for, according to my knowledge, we have Bishop Booth who started the ministry in Congo. Missionary work in Congo, Bishop Booth. After Bishop Booth, we had Bishop Shungu. Bishop Shungu alone was supervising the whole of continent of Congo. After Bishop Shungu, that's the time where the Congo as a country was divided. We had, uh, we had Bishop Onema, Central Congo, North Katanga, South Congo. East Congo is a new Episcopal area. <laughs> it's a new Episcopal area, but at, as a country, looking at the geography, the density of the, 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 of the Episcopal of the country and the growth of uh, United Methodist Christians. That's why we have four Episcopal areas. We have four Episcopal areas and some of the time, it is very easy to travel from Tanzania, from Congo, from, from, from maybe from, uh, from North Katanga to Tanzania, rather than 
traveling from uh, North Katanga to East Congo. It is so far. Imagine when you leave Kamina, you need to take a flight for four, five hours to reach Kindu. That is why some of the time, and in all those areas, we don't speak the same language. Like, like in a, when you are from North Katanga, when you go to Kindu, they speak in East Congo, they speak Swahili, but not the same Swahili spoken in North Katanga. In Central Congo, they speak other languages like Lingala and Otetela, different from North Katanga. South Congo, they speak, because it is a province of Katanga, they speak Swahili, but we have other dialects like Urund, different languages. So you really see that we are in the same country with different locations with different contexts, but in the same country. I'm wondering if you could give us a little bit of the story of how United Methodism came to the DRC. I think if my memory serves me well, it starts from uh, about my history. It starts from uh, William Blake from uh, Liberia, there from Liberia um, to Kinshasa. Kinshasa, we had John Springer. John Springer, who was an American missionary who came and they started from uh, the South Congo. That's where the church started. And from South Congo, they established this, the theological school, which is Wulungwishi. And this school has trained almost uh, most of all pastors. Uh, in uh, in Congo and uh, no in in North Katanga and South Congo, a part of uh, Central Congo. John Springer worked hard. We had in Katanga as a province, we had only one episcopal area. The bishop was was Bishop Shungu was even supervising was even supervising uh, both North Katanga, South Congo. And the key leaders from um, North Katanga were pastors and members in South Congo. We had one Episcopal area in Katanga. Later on, there were only seven, but they were not speaking the same language spoken in South Congo. They were from the Northern province and they decided to, to leave. They say, no, we want to go home. We want to go to our province and start our annual conference. I'm, 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 I'm trying, I'm trying to, to be specific here for the case of North Katanga. Seven leaders, they left uh, South Congo to start the church in North Katanga because that's where I, I, I belong and I have to know well. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Where yeah, that's where it is. It is started, but the church, the church um, globally. Um, when now you want me to explain about uh, uh, Congo as such, it needs a lot of uh, information from Central Congo, from uh, South Congo, from East Congo. 
But what I know is that uh, Bishop Booth worked hard for implementation of the church in, uh, in Wembonyama. In Wembonyama, that's, that's where missionaries came in, uh, in, in the central part of uh, Congo, where they established and they started the church. And they speak Otetela, the language that I cannot speak. Mm. But the Bishop Shungu, Bishop Shungu came from this area. He could speak that language, but he was welcomed all over Congo as our bishop. Mm. In, in, in Kamina today, we have the clinic named after his name, the Shungu Clinic, because he was our bishop. After then, they, they organized election. At that time, I, 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 I didn't know Bishop Shungu. I was not yet born. <laughs> I just, I, I, yes, I just know, uh, saw Bishop Onema when he came for Bishop election in Lubumbashi. And, uh, and uh, later on, we had the three Episcopal areas, South Congo, North Katanga, and Central Congo. And the church is growing. You can see, in North, in, in, in North Katanga particularly, maybe that's the strategy uh, of, uh, of evangelism and discipleship, discipling in uh, Congo, where when you have a village, you will find a Catholic church and the Methodist church. Mm-hmm. Leaders of the church, those are community leaders. They serve as religious leaders and state leaders. And our strategy as a church, wherever there is a a building of uh, a place to worship, you will see a hospital, you will see a water well and a school. This is a holistic approach of evangelism the school, the church, health center, maybe a water well where you serve people with clean water. People, children need to be educated. And health, this is very important. When they get sick, they should have a place where to get treated. This approach, they always say, this is a Methodist way of living. Mm-hmm. integrated approach where we help people. And this serves as a tool, a strong strategy where in North Katanga, that it explains our statistics and our membership. Because like North Katanga, it is a more rural uh, Episcopal area, but this strategy is like we bring visibility in villages. That is why we cling on our log, our 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 cross, our flame. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We cling to that because wherever we go, say, "Aha, we have our clinic, we have our school, we have our church." Uh, what also I appreciate from the history of Methodism in uh, in 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 DR Congo, also in uh, particularly in North Katanga, is that. The bishop from uh, Central Congo, there is a time where 
he, he oversaw the whole country. Be it so huge, he oversaw it. Which, and I just got to say, Betty, I got to say that no understanding, <laughs> understanding the context of the DRC a little bit better, it is crazy that there would be one bishop to serve that one country. We would not stand for that in the U.S. One bishop to serve the U.S. One bishop to serve one. And right now you have four. You have four bishops. So we haven't actually progressed that much, as much as we probably need to. That is why after Bishop Shungu, people say no. People bishop will be worn out. We need another bishop. That's why bishop from South Congo was elected in 1980, Bishop Katembo. Bishop, at that time, Bishop Katembo could also supervise North Katanga, and which was not enough. Then they said, no, 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 no. we need another bishop. Bishop uh, Morris going Kimba Wakadilo was elected to oversee North Katanga. It is unfortunate that he died and uh, Bishop, Bishop uh, Tambo was elected. So the history of Congo is so huge, is as huge as, as, as the country itself. It, it needs time. It needs a lot of research who came for the first time, who did what missionary work, at least in all, in all four corners of the country, missionary came. Missionary came. They did their work. And later on, local leaders took over for leadership. And you can tell, wherever you go, you see the presence of missionaries. Mm. You really see the presence of missionaries and they did a good job and local leaders took over and they continued the work that they inherited. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let me ask an interesting question then. There's the good that missionaries brought to the continent. Is there anything that you wish the missionaries had not brought with them to the DRC? Yes, yes. Actually, missionaries did the wonderful job of training leaders. They did a good job of training, of, of, uh, of building schools. Education, like what Mandela said, the only way that we will reduce poverty is through education. We are who we are today. It's because of schools that missionaries built. But the, the, the bad thing is a paternalistic mind. No, that one is, is, is not, we, we, we 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 will we will we will never ever accept it because of especially because of Congo because Congo has a very big experience of colonial system where mm -hmm. they would chop people's hand you know whipping people 
No, this is uh, the, the, this this was pure physical violence, and mm. and as as a Congolese colonial mind, <laughs> mm. it, it, no, no, it's we we cannot put it up. We cannot cope with it. Mm-hmm. We should be free people with free mind who say what, what our mind. We need to say our mind rather than. Having the colonizing mind, no way. Mm. Mm. That is why even when you come to Congo, you can you can see the way we worship. It is more contextualized because the experience of the col- col- colonial system was very harsh and wrong. Mm. Mm. They did good thing about education, fine. But the colonizing mind is very wrong when paternalistic mind, what is like this Magister Dixit, what the master has said, has said is what is true. No, 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 mm. no. That, 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 that approach is very wrong. It's very wrong. It's very wrong. Yeah. We should be free people who speak to our mind and our mind should be free. Yeah. Betty, it is really helpful because, again, we need to understand the ways that history is mixed and two things can be true. One thing can be, one side can be they brought education and they brought the faith. And also they brought a colonial and paternalistic approach. And we can sift through the part that's good and preserve the part that's good, but we have to speak to and, and resist the part that's not good. And that is as much true in the U.S. as it is true in the Congo. So since you've been, you've I, you've experienced church in the U.S., you've experienced church in Europe, probably in many other places, knowing just where you've been and traveled. What are some key differences in the ways that United Methodists gather, particularly in the U.S., that is different from the ways that United Methodists gather in North Katanga? Hmm. Interesting question. In, in I, I took the example last time when we gathered somewhere about in the U.S., you gather in uh, buildings. You have beautiful buildings. Back home, under a tree, we meet and worship. We worship under a tree. In a tent, we worship. This yeah. is a matter of context. Mm-hmm. And uh, looking at the instrument, you, you use... Uh, all those uh, so I, I, I can say sophisticated no modern modern instrument for worship fine 
But today, when you come in my in in my annual conference, you, you will you will see how we use our our local instrument to animate our worship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You really see that this is our context and. I am I, I I have grown up in such a contest and I am moving with it because I I use what I have because this is my context. Yeah, yeah. The worship in town is different from the worship in the village. And it, it depends on the context. Mm-hmm. Yes. Let me give an example. A point in in cases, uh, Holy Communion, celebration of Holy Communion. I take an example in a very remote area. Somewhere you use bread, but if you don't have the, the wheat to bake bread, we use cassava to celebrate. Mm-hmm. This, mm-hmm. This is, and we are comfortable with it because this is our context. Yeah. I visited Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe, they have uh, what they, they call in, uh, in, 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 in Zimbabwe, Osho, an instrument that people use it. Back home, we have drum, we have drum, we have our own instrument, and we, we, we praise, we glorify the living God with what we have. Yeah. And some of the time, like what Bishop Tambo has been telling people, in America, one hour worship is one hour. Some of the time in our local era, we create time because it's a time for fellowship. Yeah. We can extend one hour to one hour and a half one hour and 45 minutes because we create time for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And really, um, context is very important. And the way we worship in North Katanga, when you go to East Congo, two in one country, two different Episcopal areas and different way of worshiping. We worship the same God. We are the same Methodists. We can spend two hours. We take we take care of the time, but the the way we worship different. Love it. Let's take a quick break. So Betty. This podcast is called Bar of the Conference, and one of the main conversations that we're having um, across the different episodes is the ways that the church, the United Methodist Church, responded to the passing of the traditional plan at the special session in 2019, and recognizing that there's a specific context, not just in the DRC, but specifically in North Katanga. I'm curious if you could speak to how 
the the news of the passing of the traditional plan landed in your area, but also if there was a response to the ways that the U.S. portion of the UMC reacted to the passing of the traditional plan. Well, before attending the general conference 2019, delegates from North Katanga were holding different meetings to explain to delegates about different plans that would come on the table. We had traditional plan, one church plan and uh, connectional plan, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Coming to the, we, we had a time to explain in detail different plans. And people understood which position to take as, it, as North Katanga Episcopal area. We attend the conference and we, voted for the traditional plan. Why? The traditional plan suited our context. We're looking at the book of discipline that keeps the language of uh, incompatibility of blessing the same sex marriage. Why? Delegates voted for it because of the context. In this today's struggle for the church, we need to open our eyes, open our mind, focus on the context. The context is very important. I know I cannot tell, I cannot explain on behalf of uh, US uh, attitude opposition. I speak as an African woman from North Katanga Annual Conference, where the traditional plan suits for our, for our context because the law does not approve the blessing of same-sex marriage. And it is not our reality. Same-sex marriage is not our reality. Our reality is about Polygamy, people who are polygamists in the church. Remember, from my introduction, I told you, I am a clergy today by the daughter of the second wife. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This is my context. Right, right. And this is my reality. Mm -hmm. And delegates voted for what it matters to them. For the for, for other plans, they could not matter to them. And the and the somewhere, somehow, there was even misinformation on one church plan. Even in the in the traditional plan, there was misinformation. When people don't get information earlier, they are likely to be misinterpreted and misled mm -hmm. easily. Yeah. Yeah. That is why communication strategy is a very strong 
tool mm -hmm. to help people understand the current issues situation in the church. The traditional plan, it suits for us because the country does not, it does not approve the same-sex marriage. The issue is about same-sex marriage. That's the issue. But when you, when you look at it, it is not our reality, by the way. It's not our reality. We have our own issues. How, how can we reduce poverty where we are? How can we strategize for the future of our children? How can we resolve this issue of polygamy in the church, in the community? Because you can see a church leader having two, one wife who is official, and the other, the other one is, is an official. I mean, say he's uh, an official, but he's a leader in the church. Mm -hmm. The polygamy is, is an issue in, in, in our context. And the question becomes, with such a situation, are we going to, to drive him away from the church? That's the question. Mm -hmm. they, are, they, they are leaders in the church. The two wives attend the church, even children. Are we going to chase them? That's the question. This is our own reality. How do we resolve our own realities? That's what it, it, that's what it matters. All of this makes me wonder. You have brought up the issue of polygamy in your context, both it's part of your, your story and it's one of the realities on the ground. Do you think African United Methodists want US United Methodists speaking into the conversation of how you all on the African continent, you all in North Katanga, figure out and work out how you will address the issue of polygamy within the church? Do y'all want our opinion on that? Or would you mm -hmm. rather we stay out of that conversation? We want you to stay out as we, we stay out on the issue of same-sex same sex marriage. We need to stay out. You need, you have, no, not you need, you have to stay out because this is not your reality. It's not your reality. Yeah. Oh, gosh, so important, so important. Yeah. So it's it's been, at least in the U.S. context, quite chaotic since General Conference 2019. One of those realities, obviously, is what has happened to the church in response to the passing of the traditional plan. But one of those realities is COVID as well. Mm -hmm. And the ways that COVID shut down our world. And we've had many conversations in the US about not having a general conference because of the difficulty of getting visas, um, particularly for our delegates who are outside the US. 
I'm 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 curious, what was the impact of COVID in North Katanga? And to the degree that you want to respond to this part, were the delays in general conference helpful in North Katanga? But more generally, I'm just curious, what what were the impacts of COVID um, on the church in North Katanga? No, the delay, the, the, the impact of COVID was, uh, was not good, personally, because we, I wish we could have met and uh, try to dialogue, not to debate, uh -uh, dialogue about uh, the issue on the table about same-sex marriage, because we could have voted differently and find alternative for that so that people do their ministry differently from their own context and making impact and transforming the world in their own context. Because of the delay today, I don't know what, is, what you're experiencing, you people in the US with this process of disaffiliation, Back home, from our context, particularly for North Katanga, we, we are not talking about annual conference disaffiliation, but we are talking about individual disaffiliation. People are leaving. They are writing later for resignation. They are free. And likely enough, when, when we saw, when our leader, Bishop Mandy, saw that move, they say, uh-uh. According to the Book of Discipline, clergy, they are free to write letters of resignation and, and go join whatever church they want. Because it is well understood. I know we took, we, we vote for legislation at the general conference. It needs to be ratified in our annual conferences. And it has impact in, in local churches. But there are some, some legislation which do not suit our context. So the question becomes, how are we troubled with that? Especially when it, especially when it comes to the issue of same-sex marriage. It's 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 in 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 a lot of people they have uh, an an alibi of telling people that we are leaving the UMC in Kong in 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 North Katanga because we don't want to take part to the church that uh, will allow same sex marriage. But the state is watching us. The state Congolese state is watching us. We, we vote, we ratify, but what we have voted for will suit the context, our context of Congo. 
Right. Yeah, that's that's right. why it is very important. I'm focusing on the issue of contest, contest, because there are issues that that do not suit our reality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some of the time, it is difficult for me to give an opinion on the same-sex marriage. They said, "Well, I I know what you are talking about, but this does not. I, I, this is not my reality." Is the matter of reality. Um, I cannot judge people, but you look, you look, you 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 treat everyone like a human being created in the image of God. Who are you to judge? You just look the human being the way he or she is. Context will work hard. Because the Bible itself was written in a certain context. Yeah. Yeah. So COVID, COVID also. Mm-hmm. Oh, COVID. We could not meet together as church members. People were really we people were meeting remotely especially those who are, who are connected to, to the internet. But coming to the issue of the general conference, I think, uh, who knows, maybe um, this was God's plan so that we see who will stay as UMC and who will leave the church. We don't know. That's God's plan, but uh, uh, everything has its own time. But... Uh, COVID delayed so that you may see who we stay and who we live. And also COVID could help and help people to be mature enough. They say, where do you stand? It is unfortunate to see such a beautiful church somewhere, somehow being uh, people plot. This is a plot. People plot to destroy the church of God. They cannot evaluate the impact that the church has made to people globally. It is unfortunate. So helpful, Betty. I'm also aware of different groups that have formed across the African conferences. I think to one, organize United Methodist in different parts of the continent, but also I think to elevate the voice of African United Methodist, maybe across the continent, but specifically in the larger denomination. For Africa Unity, the Voice of Unity, I think it was formed by Emmanuel Andy from Nigeria. You can tell how he's focusing on the unity of the church. You, you really, the Voice of Unity, but he's focusing on the unity of a specific country, which is Nigeria, because of uh, issues in 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 the. Nigeria Episcopal area, and he's mm-hmm. really advocating for the unity of the church. He has his 
personal convictions about the unity of the church as an, as an, as a, an African. Also, uh, he's, he's working, he's, he's doing fine. And I remember to have attended one of the webinar on, uh, on this uh, group about uh, updates on uh, North Katanga delegates to general conference, how to prepare delegates for the general conference who, who are supporters of the unity of the church. From the experience of the unit of the church as a, as a clergy from North Katanga, North Katanga as Episcopal area has experienced a lot of breakaways. We had one pastor who, who broke away with a group of, uh, of, of pastors. Later on, they, they, they really noticed that this group has no future. Some, they start coming back. We have the experience and our hope and the prayer is that can people open, can God open people's eyes and see how we are used to breakaways and they don't go any further and later on they come back. We have another group of United Methodist Africa Forum. It was launched last month in, uh, in South Africa. I am part of it looking at the leadership team. I'm the coordinator of uh, Congo. The vision of this group is to keep, to stay united as Africans. There are a lot of issues that are going on. See how uh, Africans are being are being informed, I can say it, informed in, uh, in whatever way. But as Africans, looking at the threat and the reality of schism for the church, we say, uh-uh, as Africans, let's remain united Methodist, but in Africa. This forum is a platform mm -hmm. to share ideas about United Methodist Church, which, which has its own uh, view for the church as Africans, but focusing on the unity and promoting different legislations like regionalization. I'm expecting that. I hope to expect such legislation so that we will vote for it. We do ministry, different ministry and mission in different contexts, but we remain united Methodists. The motto, the motto for this, for this forum is that we were, we are, and we will be united Methodists. That's the motto for this forum here. So you believe that one thing that needs to happen at General Conference 2024 is a conversation about reg around regionalization. Mm -hmm. That's my hope. Yeah. Is there anything else that we need to make sure we talk about? If if you could run, if you could set the agenda for General Conference 2024, 
<laughs> what else? You're like, this also needs to be on the agenda. Definitely regionalization. Is there anything else you're like, we really should be talking about this with the whole church, not just the Africa church, not just the U.S. dominated conversation, but we need to talk about these things when we gather at General Conference. Yes, I'm not the con convener. <laughs> yes, right, right. If, if, if we, can discuss, we can discuss on the agenda about regionalization, and if we, we can focus more on mission and ministry, that would mm. be great, rather than uh, putting on the agenda on issues that do not matter to us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. That that will be so that will be so great because this is a worldwide church. Right. Not US 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 church. No. Uh-uh. This is not a US church. Mm. Yeah. Betty, what's your hope for the United Methodist Church? My hope. I would like to paraphrase um, the president of the Council of Bishops. He said, our hope for the church is to reclaim, revive, and renew our churches. How? By speaking the language of the day of the Pentecost. If we come to the General Conference 20, that's the General Conference 20, 2020, but that we take place in 2024, yeah, and yeah. we come with the language of the Pentecost, with, we, thanks to that language of the Pentecost, that we reclaim, we reclaim, we revive and we renew things. We will, we will promote holy conferencing. We will promote courageous conversation. We will, we will promote dialogue, not debate because all along that we have been attending the general conference, there are a lot of debates. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Those parliamentarian rules that some of the time, some of us, we don't master them well. But we need that language of the Pentecost to lead us. So that at the end of the day, we see the church that, that continue to transform the world, that continue to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ based on true love in action and truth rather than personal issues. Mm. Betty, I cannot thank you enough for joining me today on the podcast. You have expanded my understanding of what it means to be in ministry with, I can say my cousins on the African continent, specifically in North Katanga. So thank you so, so much for joining me today, Betty.
You are welcome. It's my pleasure to have shared my experience today. And um, our prayer is uh, to keep our beloved United Methodist Church live. Mm-hmm. Live and uh, united. Amen. Really united. We are committed to it, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we will we we will do it. Praise God. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Bar of the Conference is produced by the team at Wesley's Revival, a ministry of Studio Wesley. Subscribe to this show on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or Google platforms so you don't miss a single episode. Thanks for joining us, and see you next time.